You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of Fansided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Rockies Report brought to you by RocksPile.com. My name is Kevin Henry, one of the co-experts on the site, joined today, as always, by my good friend and fellow co-expert, Noah Yingling. Noah, how you doing, man? Pretty good, but very busy. Is There's been a lot of stuff happening. There has been a lot of stuff, and we are going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to talk Daniel Bard. We're going to talk Trevor Story. Uh, we're going to cover i think pretty much the entire 26 man roster but uh we'll because <laughs> there is a lot that's happened on this road trip through san francisco and arizona and a lot to know before they come back home the rockies that is uh to start a three-game series at coors on monday night uh but no before we get into all that we certainly want to take a moment to thank our sponsor and it is earth echo foods cacao bliss it's the rocks by rockies report is brought to you in part by them Cacao Bliss is cho- is a chocolate that will help you remove cravings, facilitate weight loss, boost your energy, and remo- reduce inflammation, all while being gluten and soy-free, as well as paleo, keto, vegetarian, and vegan-friendly. Currently, they are offering 15% off when you use the code MINUTE15 at checkout at earthechofoods.com slash minutemedia. That's MINUTE and the number 15 at checkout at earthechofoods.com slash minute media and start having chocolate the health the guilty free and healthy way today there you go we thank them for their sponsorship and their support of the rocks pile rockies report uh no let's get right into it because we've got a lot to cover and let's start with the big news from sunday and no it was not that uh, the rockies dropped yet another road game unfortunately it was what happened to the eighth inning at chase field trevor story hit by a pitch uh, on his right uh, index finger, uh, they said. However, uh, results of the x-rays have come back negative. Uh, what that means for Story's status heading into the series against the Giants, we don't know. But no, I think they dodged a, a huge bullet with those uh, negative x-rays. Yeah, and if uh, this is obviously complete speculation, but I would guess that he would be day-to-day. Yep. We'll find out more on Monday um, before the 
quote unquote homestand of a series. Um, <laughs> yep. And I, like you said, they, they dodged a bullet there. Um, but hopefully I, I hate to say this in the circumstances, but it, we've seen it happen before. Hopefully it is just that and not just them saying, Oh, we think it'll be a day to day thing. Oh no, but it's a 10 day IO. Yeah. No, but it's a 60 day IO. It hopefully it's just the, he'll be back in tomorrow or he'll, he'll be available as a pinch hitter tomorrow and he'll be able to start on Tuesday. That I, if I were a betting man, uh, I would bet that I would bet that Alan Trejo gets another start tomorrow night at shortstop and that uh, Trevor is able to come off the bench if needed. Uh, because let's face it, Noah, they're in San Fran- or sorry, they're in Arizona right now. They will be flying back to Denver. So we know that the flight's going to, you know, have an effect on that finger and everything else. It's not going to be a comfortable trip home probably for Trevor and, you know, overnight, who knows how it stiffens up, but I would guess that he'll at least be out for the Monday night game. Again, a pure guess. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing is he's been heating up. Uh, I mean, he hadn't homers and back-to-back games. Um, As we discussed before, he had been a bit of a victim of bad luck and that, that tide had been turning some. So hopefully it won't put a damper on that and, he'll still be able to produce at the plate for the Rockies, particularly power wise. Um, but yeah, hopefully, especially with a finger. I mean, as we saw with Daniel Murphy, soon as he was signed, I mean, I don't think it was the best signing to begin with, but that, that really damaged the rest of his career with the Rockies. It, it did. And of course, you know, if you're on Twitter, you're on social media, of course, everybody jumps immediately to, well, if Trevor's out, what does that do to his trade value? You know, and we've still got that whole question about now and Jeff Breitch is no longer with the Rockies. What are the Rockies going to do with Trevor's story? Are they going to hang on to him? Are they going to try to trade him for the deadline? Are they going to try to get a qualifying offer out of him? You know, I mean, there, there's so many ways. And again, we thought we didn't know what was going on before when Jeff Breitch was there. It feels like we're almost in the dark even more now without a GM technically running the ship, <laughs> you know, yeah. so it, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with some of these trade candidates that includes Trevor story. Well, and with, with the replacement, Patrick Saunders of the Denver post said in one of his mailbags this week, I think they will either name one Wednesday or Thursday. It's Sunday. Yeah. We don't, we don't have a replacement. And then also too, like with, um, some of the roster moves this week, and we'll get into those here shortly too. People were wondering, and it was asked too to Bud Black, who makes that decision? Is it Greg Fiesel, who is now the president, but has no baseball operations background? Is it Dick Monfort? Is it you, meaning Bud Black? Is it the co- is it you and the coaching staff? And he said that it is be- it was a combination of him, the coaching staff assistant GMs, Zach Wilson and Zach Rosenthal, and um, also John Weil. He didn't specifically say Greg Fiesel, but I would assume he was involved in that. Um, So it sounds like a bunch of different guys, but when you look, when you're essentially when you're trying to look for accountability, you're like, okay, who do we need to point to? Yeah. 
And, and right now there's, there's a lot of people to point to, but there's not one person. Yeah. Point to, cause I think if I remember from Bud's quote, it, he said it was kind of a committee decision or something like that, where it was kind yeah. of talking about spreading the idea there. Yeah. And I will say, you know, when, when the news came out about Jeff Breidich and Bud Black was on with us, uh, you know, and the rest of the media talking about it, I'll never forget and I think it was Patrick Saunders that asked him, you know, are you comfortable, you know, because you've been in these spots a lot lately, like being the voice of the Rockies, not just like from a manager standpoint, but a front office standpoint almost too, you know, and, and Bud kind of smiled and, and said that he knew that was kind of part of the job. Yeah. As much as gone on with this franchise, I can't imagine if they had someone who wasn't as kind of steady as Bud Black as their manager right now, uh, because I really do think behind the scenes, he's doing so much to keep not only the dysfunction that's going on in the front office, but also let's face it, his team's struggling. He's trying to work in a lot of younger guys. There's so much going on that I think Bud is almost trying to, to balance. And at the same time, he's putting on that smile and, and that calm, cool demeanor, at least whenever he meets with us. Yeah. And like you said, he's a very, level-headed guy that's why in the rare event he gets ejected in a game like he was a few weeks ago he, he you could tell that he was he was pretty po'd but there there's some managers like for example david bell in cincinnati you can flat out call him a hothead if he was in colorado right now he would have just absolutely gone insane because he managed his first year managing was in 2019 he led the league in ejections he led the, the league in ejections in 2020 and his, uh, his team's always in brawls. And that was a hot topic issue in baseball this week as his hothead pitcher, Amir Garrett, who, even if you don't think he was to blame for the Cubs incident this weekend, which he doesn't share all the blame, but when you're in five or six bench clearing brawls in a two year period and you're the instigator, you're, uh, the centerpiece of four or five of them, you're a hothead. Well, and, and, and you make a really good point because I think the team takes on the uh, personality of its manager in a lot yeah. of ways. And so I think that there's a lot of people that would definitely be hitting the panic button after this road start that the Rockies have gotten off to. Oh, yeah. But, but Bud teaches that whole – Hey, every day's a challenge. Every day's a test. Always be ready for anything. You know, the, the Budisms that we've come to grow and love. But I, I will tell you that he is the perfect guy, I think, for this team. And, and sadly, I hate to say it, if this is a team that struggles the rest of the year, as is projected, Bud's going to be that kind of guy who can at least help those younger pitchers like Justin Lawrence, like Lucas Gilbreth, uh, you know, and so many that are just now coming onto the scene and are going to be kind of that next generation of Rockies pitchers. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing that I think that he can definitely help with. Um, and with, uh, for example, with Bud, it was earlier. In fact, it was yesterday, meaning Saturday, since it was the first day of the month, I was on zoom with him, asked him, Hey, what's a, what's one bold prediction you'd have for the team? And he's like, I'm just here to win today. Or we're just here to win today. Yep. And he said, there's a few things where I think we obviously need to get better. He cited the bullpen and the offense, but 
he's like, I, I don't really have any bold predictions. I, we need to win today. And oh, we'll have the games come. Uh, the games will come to us when we play them, essentially. Yeah. Well, bold, bold and bud do not often go together. And, and that's not a bad thing in any way, shape, or form. So, hey, Noah mentioned the bullpen. IT's Justin Lawrence and Lucas Gilbreth. We are going to talk about them after the break here on the Rocks Pile, Rockies Report. And we are back, Kevin Henry, Noah Yingling on the Rocks Pile, Rockies Report. And Noah, the bullpen has undergone quite a change just in the last week or so. Uh, you know, and I guess you could even throw in the, the rotation has gone through a little bit of a change as well with Antonio Sensatella battling a groin injury, which brought Lucas Gilbreth up to the majors to make, I would say it's his major league debut, but technically he was the 27th man on a doubleheader. So, you know, there's a gray area there, but still. Um, and, and when we talked to Lucas Gilbreth earlier today, I was amazed the confidence in this young kid. The very first pitch he throws in a major league game gets tattooed for a home run. He, but he ends up, including that home run pitch, just throwing six pitches, and that's all he needs to get out of the inning. So, you know, Colorado kid, you know, the story's there, all that good stuff. But I think you're going to see some Lucas Gilbreth whenever the Rockies get back to Coors for that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday against the Giants. Yeah, and manager Bud Black is very high on Lucas Gilbreth. Um, and on Saturday after the game, um, he spoke with us about Gilbreth and what he likes out of him, what he has seen out of him and kind of how he told him that he was going to be called up as a non 27th man roster spot for a double header. And you can hear that right now. Well, I think there's going to be a good fastball in there. No, I think the fastball has life to it. Uh, he threw a, good, threw a couple of good breaking balls, I thought, to Pavin Smith. Uh, then he got that, you know, that infield ground ball. Ed Mack almost made a great play. But, you know, ironically, we were talking about uh, prior to the game when, you know, I congratulated him on being on the active roster. Steve Foster and I and, and Lucas were in my office, and we were talking about our major league debuts, and Fosty uh, went through his Riverfront Stadium and he struck out Rafael Belliard, first guy he faced, and then he walked the pitcher. And I mentioned that my first game was in Fenway Park. I faced uh, Rick Miller, uh, left-handed hitter, and I threw a, a three-two curveball uh, to Miller, and he uh, sort of just sort of poked it uh, right down the the left field line in Fenway, uh, about forty feet past the third base bag, and. Hit fair and then spun into the seats there at Fenway. And now we can talk about Lucas's, you know, which is, uh, you know, we'll look back after Lucas has a 10 year career and uh, we'll remember his first big league at bat. But hey, you know, uh, you know, here it is, you know, a nine run game and, you know, they're up there hacking. He had a six pitch inning, you know, they were hacking. Uh, he just got a fastball up out over the plate and Rojas hit home run. But, uh, you know, he was poised. You know, I like his stuff. We saw stuff in spring training. Uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fine. Uh, you know, but uh, I'm glad we got him in the game early. Uh, in his, you know, first day of the big leagues, we got him in the game. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's gonna have a nice career ahead of him. Looking forward to it. I love a kid from, you know, Denver, from Westminster. Went to high school in Broomfield. I think that's, you know, such good stuff. 
similar to Kyle, right? Uh, here's a local kid that uh, grew up a Rockies fan and now is pitching for his favorite team. So yeah, he he was saying that he he likes he likes what he sees out of him. He uh, he thinks he's going to be in the majors for a long time. Who knows if he's going to go up and down or not to start off with at least. But as you heard there too, he he and pitching coach Steve Foster were telling him their stories. And particularly with Bud Black, he was in the major leagues for a long time as a pitcher. And he didn't have the best start in the world with the 81 Mariners, which was just a god-awful team. Uh, 77 and 94 Mariners, just pick any year, they're terrible. Um, but he, he only faced one batter, and that was the batter he mentioned, Rick Miller. Um, and then Steve Foster was at Riverfront because he was with the Cincinnati Reds. So they both had memorable uh, starts to their careers as well, and now Gilbreth has it as well. But, yeah, we saw him this week, and then we saw Justin Lawrence. Yeah. And you talk about a guy who's turning heads. You know, this is a guy that we've talked about uh, on Rock's Pile for quite some time. Uh, great. It's, it's an interesting story uh, because, obviously, he missed the 2020 campaign, uh, suspended. Uh, you know, certainly he is adamant that it was a suspension that was not warranted. Uh, but he's been very open, very upfront, very honest to talk about that. But he was always working to get back to this point. And so when spring training started and I was down in Arizona watching him, he was just a guy who stood out anytime that he took the mound or he was on the, the backfields because you could tell this was a guy who was honed in, not just on what he was doing, but that he was going to be in the major leagues this year, period. Yeah. And especially with that arm slot, if you, and he was the first outing, he was throwing 101 second outing. He wasn't quite that high, but he was still 99 and a half, hundred miles an hour. But black said that he, it, since he had a lot of rest, he said he thought that's why he was a little bit higher. Um, he said he projects him more of a 95 to 98 guy, at least as of now. Um, but oh, the, one of the guys I talked to after the game on Saturday too, was Don Nunez who had the grand slam. We'll talk about him a little bit later too. And I asked him about the, uh, about catching him. You think it'd be pretty hard to catch him. He's like, no, nah, I've caught him for a few years now. At, at first it was kind of hard to catch him, but he's like, it's really not that hard anymore because he's just caught him so much. But I was, I was kind of surprised by that. I mean, especially when you've got a fastball that's moving two feet at 101 miles an hour. And he's Don Nunez is just like, eh, it's but not that hard. And now, of course, uh, 99.9999% of people aren't going to say that, but of the 30 uh, starting catchers in baseball, probably more than half of them would say, if you think about it, probably more than half of them would be like, yeah. But, but it brings up a great point because so many of these young Rockies pitchers have worked with Nunez before. Yeah. And they've kind of grown up together, you know, Ben Bowden, you can look at Yancy Almonte. There's a lot of those younger guys, obviously Lawrence, who Nunez already knows. 
And so when you look at Nunez-Diaz split behind the plate right now, obviously it's very weighted in terms of Nunez, not only because of the offensive production he's showing, but also, as you said, he's got that knowledge of these guys from kind of coming up through the ranks with them and, and catching them already. Yeah, and speaking on the offense, this was entering um, entering Sundays because he didn't play on Sunday. Um, he what well, he, he had an OPS of I'd have to look up the exact number. It was nine twenty three. That was number one on the Rockies, and he had an OPS plus of one thirty six. For comparison. The last three full years of Nolan Arenado, 2017, 18, and 19, was 132. How dare you speak his name, sir? How oh, sorry. You? Sorry. Josh Fuente's cousin. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's really interesting to see. You know, so long people wondered what could Dom Nunez do with regular at-bats at the major league level. What we saw in April was pretty salivating, let's be honest. Yeah, and by the way, too, you know why I said Nolan Arenado? Because I'm a bad person. Well, you are a bad person, and yeah. and if and if I <laughs> check the schedule, we're going to be hearing a lot about that gentleman uh, this coming week. Oh, what a shame! Oh, the um, reunion is coming. Get ready, but hey, let's let's save that for a, a little bit later. <laughs> anyway, uh, but but I think that it's very interesting to see Dom Nunez. I'm going to say Ryan Tapia. I'm going to say Ryan McMahon. You're seeing guys that we've always gone, what are these guys going to do if you say, this is your position, run with it? And and they are showing, now the, the wins and losses aren't there right now, but these guys are showing they've got the talent to actually put up some decent, at least individual numbers. Well, and one thing that uh, Nunez mentioned too was in 2019 in Albuquerque, he played 61 games, had 213 at-bats, and he had 17 home runs right now. That's about the pace that he's on mm-hmm. in the major leagues. Now, the thing for him in Albuquerque and now as well is getting that average up a little bit. And Albuquerque was 244. Now it's 222 in the majors. But it was it was less of a problem, I'd say, in Albuquerque because his on-base percentage was north of 360. If he can get his uh, is OBP, which is 311 right now, up closer to that. I think Bud Black has to move him up in the lineup, which may seem shocking to some people because I think there was one game where Nunez hit seventh. Otherwise, he's hit eighth. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, when you and he was talking about this too, when you're in the eighth spot, especially when the pitcher's behind you, you aren't going to get a ton of pitches to hit because you have the pitcher behind you. So well, no matter the situation, as, as long as it's not bases loaded, which uh, he hit the grand slam, as long as it's not bases loaded, you could kind of pitch around him. So because the pitcher's going to come up and what's the pitcher going to do with bases loaded and two out? Yep. Not much in most cases. Yeah, I think Rockies fans have become so accustomed to just okay, the catcher's batting eighth. And that's just like the mentality because of the past catchers who have been there and their ineptitude at the plate. But Nunez, I think, as you said, and you and I have texted and talked about, I think he's a good candidate to move up in that lineup. You know, and, and again, if you look at the Rockies lineup as a whole, 
there aren't a lot of candidates that you go, oh, I'd slide him up in the order. You yeah. know, but Nunez is one of those guys. Yeah, and there's a few guys. I mean, we've talked about them a lot. For example, Garrett Hampson. He's a top-of-the-lineup guy, dot, 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 mm-hmm. if he gets on base. If he gets on base at three hundred uh, at 30% of the time, 300 on base percentage, he's not a top-of-the-order guy. He's an eighth hitter. So I, th- I think that will be some of the um, – some of the decisions that Bud Black has to make as well is if he does move Nunez up, it's not like he can just move him up and, Oh, we can have the eighth spot be empty. No, somebody has to move down there. Yeah. Is it going to be somebody like Hampson? If, for example, if Trevor story's out, you could have Trejo in that spot, but if story's not out, he's going to be hitting somewhere two, three, four, so you have to decipher who's going to move down that could uh, somebody that could be it too is Jonathan Daza. Yep. And, and one thing that I want to remind everybody who's listening and, and hopefully you've heard on our previous podcast, but whenever we had Alan Trejo on with our exclusive interview before the season began, you know, it was before he was called up before all this stuff. But one of the biggest reasons we had him on is because so many people have said, if story is traded, if Trejo is probably going to be the guy to slide in there unless the Rockies get a major league ready shortstop back. And one of the biggest reasons they're going to move Trejo in there is not because of his bat. There's still some development to bring there, but it's because of his defense and he can provide the Rockies the best defensive alternative there. So, you know, and speaking of alternatives, Noah, after the break, we're going to need to bring up a really tough one. And do the Rockies need another alternative right now at closer? So we're going to talk about that after the break here on the Rockspile Rockies Report. And we are back on the Rockspile Rockies Report, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. And Noah, one thing that we saw in Sunday's game, uh, obviously we've talked about Trevor Story's finger injury and that the Rockies dodged a bullet there, but they were not able to dodge a bullet when Daniel Bard came into the game? No, they were not. No. And, and I think the time has come to ask, what are the Rockies going to do with Daniel Bard? And the, the thing is, too, he, he's, he was their best reliever, as we know, last year. But you don't have Scott Obert. So who's going to close for them? I mean, if we're going to be honest right now, Bard should not be closing. Last well, six appearances, 15-20 ERA. Five and a third innings, 14 hits allowed, and nine earned runs. And mind you, that's the batting average against him on base percentage. The batting average is well more than 400. On base percentage, well over 500. You, are you really going to rely on your closer to do that? Now, the other thing, too, with him is, can you get him more work? Yeah. And, and you brought up a really interesting point. You and I were talking earlier before the podcast came on. And before today's game, which was May 2nd, the last time that Bard had pitched was April 27th. So there's a five-day rest in there that Bard has not taken the mound. And again, as you said, Noah, he's had some trouble in the last one. So, you know, does that play into it? Maybe, maybe not. 
but you found some interesting stuff about how he's been used during this kind of rough, rough patch that he's been through. Yeah. The last six appearances, uh, it was five days in between for this one. And then it was five days of rest he had before and he allowed a run. He had two days of rest before that and allowed a run. The previous one, he didn't have any days of rest. That's the only time he hasn't given up a run. Before that, it was two days of rest. He gave up two runs. And before that, it was five days of rest, and he gave up a run. So, and Bud Black said before this, it was before, it was, I believe it was after his last appearance, um, where he said, I don't think there's anything mechanically that he has done wrong, and perhaps that has changed since then. But it was mainly his pitch location. But also, too, when you look at numbers like that, where particularly on the day with no rest, now granted it's a small sample size, but he didn't have any days of rest and he pitched well. So does was that because he is pitching more in that specific time was it because bud black put him back on the horse the next day after he gave up the run and said go get him did he just have time to essentially think about the last uh, for the um times that he had days of rest was it because he was thinking oh i could have done this and this and he gets too much in his head or what is it um so that that's something where and especially if you look at last year he had one time, now granted it was a shortened season, but he had one time where he had more than four days of rest. And that was towards the end of the season. It was actually a scoreless frame for him. But, I mean, whether you look at the rest of the season, two, two, one, two, almost all of them are between one and two days rest. There's a few times where he had three. But, yeah, it's just by the numbers, at least you'd think he needs to get more work. Well, and one thing that Bud said today in the, the post game, and again, we're recording this on Sunday after the Arizona loss is that it was pitch location again. And if you look at where those pitches were that did the most damage as the diamondbacks came back to record the win, they weren't where you wanted pitches to be, especially if you're Daniel Bard. So I think it begs the question as they come back to Coors, as they come back for the three-game series, if they're up three to two heading into the ninth on Monday or Tuesday night, is it Daniel Bard time or do they go with somebody else? Is this a time that you see if Michael Givens can shut it down? Who do you bring in as that closer? For me, personally, I would not bring in Bard. I would bring him in more of a setup situation. I would I would still try to get him in on Monday, um, but – uh, there's also a reason why I'm not an MLB manager, but there's been other guys who have been successful in the bullpen, like Michael Gibbons. Um, he's been using that changeup a lot more. And we talked about that with him when we spoke to him earlier this week, his changeup rate, it, it, it's over 50% this year. At least uh, that was before his last outing and had to check to see after his most recent outing. Last year, it was just a little over 20%. So his changeup rate has gone from 20% to 50%. Um, and it's worked out for him because last year, it 
obviously didn't work out for him, at least while he was in a Rockies uniform. No. Robert Stevenson, he had a little bit of a rough outing there in Arizona, but he's pitched well overall in the season. And believe it or not, Carlos Estevez has pitched really well. And guess what? He has closing experience. You took the words out of my mouth. You know, it's hard to believe that we are talking about Carlos Estevez and maybe sliding back into that closer role. But as you said, he's got experience. And right now he's riding a hot streak out there on the mound. Yeah. And I mean, you might, uh, especially uh, they, our friends on uh, Rocky's Twitter, which we all know there's very, very rational takes there always, on Twitter. Always. always. Um, but he's pitched well. He's got a, a at least recently 360 ERA on the season. But I mean, even if you look, it was his fifth outing of the season. He had an ERA of 831. But guess what? Since he hasn't allowed a run, yeah, uh, an, an, an earned run, I should say, to give up yep. one run, but yeah, five and two thirds innings, four hits allowed. And most importantly, he hasn't walked anybody. There you go. Again, I, you're, you've got the telepathy working tonight because that's what I was getting ready to say as well. <laughs> it's that, you know, when, when Carlos came in for a stretch there in 2020, and again, it was after he had the comeback or after the hand, the control wasn't there either. And so it was like, God, is he going to give up a walk or a hit? You know, I mean, there was just that whole, you know, what's it going to be? That has not been the case in this recent stretch. And one thing that Bud Black always says is that, you know, for a bullpen to be effective, most of the guys out there have to be clicking at the right time. Yeah. And what we've seen so far, I mean, at least recently, Bard is not clicking. He's not that guy right now. And, and Almonte was not that guy before he went on the injured list. So I think it's maybe a time for an Estevez to come back in. Givens has been talked about as a potential trade candidate. Let's be perfectly honest. If he comes in and saves a couple of games and looks pretty good, what does that do to his trade value uh, at the deadline? It's a thought. Yeah. And with Almonte too, and this is one thing that Bud Black discussed earlier this week too, before he went on the injured list. Um, was how he I mean, he thought that he was a bit of a victim of bad luck. And if you look at the numbers, it was kind of true. Now, of course, the next outing, he walks three guys, which walking three guys is not bad luck. But, um, and even Bud Black said that after. But when uh, his, his hard hit rate was among the best in baseball, his... Uh, the barrel rate against was among the best in baseball. Um, the exit velocity was in the top 10% in baseball. So he was just getting a lot of these balls that were, were not hit at fielders that were just little rollers essentially where, I mean, even the one that uh, soon to be, uh, unfortunately, I believe soon to be uh, Rockies killer, Mike Talkman, who's now with the giant. Yep. Um, when he hit that ball that El Monte got the contusion on and now is on the injured list for, um, it was at like 83 miles an hour when that's well below league average. And that was below El Monte's average, which was among the best in baseball. So it just happened to be, um, it happened to be hit to him where if he wouldn't have reached out for it, it would have a been a double play. B prevented a few runs, 
and C, one to put him on the injured list. But I think there's, and Bud Black said this too, where there's a few mechanical things where I think the injured list stint will help him because I don't think he'll be able to work on them while just working in the bullpen. It's just some little things of, okay, uh, it could be as simple as, oh, you need to move your glove or your your wrist is at a, a 37 degree angle instead of a 39 degree angle or just small stuff like that. And when you're warming up to get ready to go into a game, you aren't thinking about that kind of stuff. Sure. Where if you're in a side session and you have no prospect of coming into the game that day, Steve Foster, Bud Black, or Daryl Scott, or anybody else, Mark Wiley, for example, could, could be working with them more one-on-one and, hey, we noticed this little thing in the video. So let's try to work on that. I love that you brought up Mike Talkman because if I am Gabe Kapler, I am so running him out there every game this series at Coors Field to say, go get him, son. Absolutely. And you know, the last, thing the, the last thing the Rockies need is two Rockies killers and the Giants outfield and Alex Dickerson and Talkman. <laughs> You're exactly right. And it could happen. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a very interesting series. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that uh, after we get back here uh, after this break on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. And we are back to wrap up Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. Noah, it's going to be an interesting week ahead. Uh, not only are there three games against the Giants at Coors Field that personally I think are three very big games for the Rockies, but then they go to a place that they have never had much success in, and that is St. Louis. And my God, the drama that is getting ready to unfold this coming weekend surrounding the Rockies going to St. Louis. Uh, get ready for the hot takes. They are coming, my friend. Yeah. And Josh Fuentes talked about it a little bit this weekend um, when he was on Zoom. He he said that he's been looking for this series as soon as they found out what the schedule was, um, which it was actually before, but as soon as – soon as he realized that Nolan was going to be gone and in St. Louis, he was right away. He was chopping at the bit to go there. Um, so, and, and, by the way, did you know that they're cousins? I, I, I never knew that. I, I've um, heard, I, I heard that once, but thanks for reminding me. That. That's right. <laughs> I'll have to write that into a story this week. Yeah. Uh, we might be breaking news there. Um, so, so yeah, he's been definitely looking forward to that series and it'll be interesting to, see Arenado in a Cardinals uniform. I, I've personally watched some Cardinals games. It, it does look weird with him in yeah. red. Oh, um, sure it does. But all right. So, yeah, it's it, it'll it will definitely be an interesting series. So can I throw out a scenario to you, Noah Yingling? Sure. If you look at the Rockies schedule this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they are home. Then they get the travel day and off day. Where is that off day going to be? St. Louis, Missouri. Bingo. It should be. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting if the Rockies, as they should have that off day in St. Louis, what could possibly come out of that? 
What are we going to be hearing about this week? And, and you know as well as I do, no one's going to be put up in front of the Zoom this week. It's going to be the whole reunion. There's going to be a lot of things come out. And I guarantee you, this is my bold prediction for the week. There's going to be one quote that is going to be misconstrued from Nolan that everybody's going to run with that. Oh, see, I told you, there it is. You know, uh, who's also a bad person, not just you and me, Nolan Arenado is well, a bad well, that's you know, throw me in with number twenty-eight is a bad person. I'm down with that. I'm all right. <laughs> but, you know? but, I have I have what might be a more bold prediction. All right, bring it. Let's hear it. The Rockies, either on Thursday or Friday, in St. Louis, will name their new general manager. Wow. Oh, I like that. That's a good one, actually. The timing. Great I, I, timing. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling that Nolan will be asked about the changes that have happened in the Rockies front office in recent days. Oh, why would you guess that? I, I, I don't know. Just just uh, reading the tea leaves here and seeing, you know. <laughs> but but I, I guarantee you that is going to be all-consuming this weekend. All-consuming. Now, no, you know what? I decided that while everything's going on in St. Louis and everybody's focused on that, I'm going to have Spokane, Washington. I'm really looking forward to being up in Spokane this week, seeing the Spokane Indians play their first week of a full schedule. It's going to be awesome. And the first time that they are affiliated with the Rockies as their high A team. Um, You know, it's funny. We're still trying to figure out exactly who's on the roster, who isn't. Uh, But we're going to be bringing these some exclusives from, from Spokane this weekend. So if you need a break from Nolan Arenado news, Hey, we're going to have some on the young up and coming future of the Rockies that are, that are taking place in the inland Northwest. Yeah. And especially to those people on Twitter that have the word Arenado muted, which you can do on Twitter. Sure. And there, there are some people that have, um, they, they might only be seeing Spokane stories. They, they might not even know the Rockies are in St. Louis. Well, I, I will say one thing, and, and I'm not going to go too deep into minor league talk here, but I noticed that Zach Veen is going to start his Rockies career at low A Fresno. And that was something I was going to be really curious to see. Did he start at Spokane or Fresno? And obviously there's going to be a lot of buzz about Zach Veen everywhere he goes. So I, I love that the Rockies are going to give him a chance at success at low A, start him off there, and then really see what the next steps are. Yeah, essentially you're – you're putting them into the pan, but you aren't putting them into the fire. Exactly. Exactly right. So, yeah, so we'll have coverage from Spokane this weekend. We're going to have some good articles up on rockspile.com. Uh, hopefully even some audio uh, that we're going to work into a podcast next weekend with some Rockies prospects uh, talking about what it's like up there in the inland Northwest. And uh, don't want to tease it too much, but we've even got a little surprise coming from the Spokane Indians as well. So looking forward to that. We'll hopefully have some more surprises throughout the week as well. Uh, we just might. Hmm. As I as I scratch my chin in a villainous way. Hmm. Now so. all you need is a monocle. <laughs> then they call me Mr. Peanut or something, man. You know, I don't need that. Come on. So. <laughs> all right. So you and I have both done our hot takes for the week, or our bold predictions for the week. I'm also going to ask you, bold prediction-wise, Giant series. What are you watching? Um, what am I watching? I'm watching for particularly who's going to be the starter on Tuesday. Antonio okay. Sensatella is on the injured list. As of now, 
And I say as of now, because we all know how injuries can change. Um, he is only going to miss one start. And Bud Black said that the top people to replace him for that start would be Ulysses Jose Mujica, Antonio Santos, Ryan Castellani, and Ryan Rollison, who as of now is slated to start the season in double A. The Rockies would need a 40 man roster spot for him as well. Um, considering it's one start, I, I I don't think it's going to be him. I don't but either. One guy that he did not mention, and perhaps he forgot about him, but he he hasn't been on the taxi squads either. Why isn't Derek Rodriguez part of that? Uh, you know, you and I have talked a lot about the mystery that is Derek Rodriguez, and and what what's going on with D Rod. You know, I'll be I'll be very curious to see. Obviously, yeah, and I mean he's a former Giant too. So obviously he will not be facing his old team. At least it doesn't sound like no. Former John about him had success at Coors Field. Hmm. Yeah. If Derek Rodriguez is facing Mike Talkman, that's going to be like worlds colliding and just you know explosions. It'll be awesome. Maybe, maybe the the world doesn't want that to happen. <laughs> it may not. If if I were a betting man, I would say Chassin uh, is going to be yeah. going to be. Uh, I would think it's going to be a piggyback game, but. Uh, one cool story, uh, no, and I didn't even tell you this, I don't think, uh, Lucas Gilbreth was talking to us this morning and he talked about the first time he got in the dugout when he was the 27th man. And he's like sitting next to Chassie and he's like, I used to watch you when I was in school and how excited he was about that. And I sure did see the story of that. And I guarantee you, Chassie was probably like, yeah, I, I really don't want to hear about how I'm old. <laughs> I just think that's fantastic. You know, that just cracked me up. So well, the thing is, he didn't pitch. It wasn't like he was in a Rockies uniform in like 1997. No, no. It was no. what his last year with the Rockies was, I think, 2014. But yep, I'm telling you, life comes at you fast, man. Ferris Bueller had it right, you know. I'm telling you. So and speaking of Ferris Bueller, that movie was is 35 years old now. Dude, don't do that to me. Come on. <laughs> you know, at least it's got a baseball reference in there. So, hey, at least it's got that. But, but yeah, it was 2014. He was sliced with the Rockies. Anyway, well, uh, so, you know, uh, I'm sure that uh, Lucas will be cheering on his, his former idol if he takes the start on Tuesday. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, Noah, as always, man, enjoyed the time. Thanks so much. And thank you. And we appreciate all of you listening to us here on the Rocks Power Rockies Report. Always want to bring you the best. We will have some good stuff from you from Spokane, as well as a look back. Giants series, Cardinals. Oh, my gosh. Everything that's coming up this week, we're going to be covered on RocksPile.com. So make sure you are in tune with us, as well as on Twitter, at RocksPileFS. Until then, Kevin Henry signing off for my friend and partner, Noah Yingling. And, hey, go Rockies. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.